All right, cool. You guys recording? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Three, two, one. All right, welcome back, guys. Yeah, it's been. Uh, it's it, it feels like it's been a very long two weeks since we spoke to April. It does. Have you guys been busy? Brian's coming to us from his from his car. Yeah, <laughs> I, have, I have tradies playing shit music too loud on one of those tiny little portable Makita speakers. So I've I've done you a massive favor, and you're not going to have to edit that out in in post, Robin. Yes. Well, yeah. last week I was in some kind of like typhoon. So um, good <laughs> good work there, Robin, for editing that out. Oh yes, I forgot about that. That was I, that's right. I sent you guys a message. So on Brian's side, he's got these birds constantly going, <laughs> constantly going. Next thing, the storm rolls over Joey's place. And th- Joey, thank you for not trying to ask a question. I think at one point you asked a question. I asked I one went, question. Oh, yeah. I'm going to try and cut this in. And then on April's end, she, was obviously, she must have been in her workshop because it sounded like there was someone packing a dishwasher the entire, the uh, entire episode. So, yeah, that, that, was, that was chopped to pieces, that episode, yeah. Yeah, so I had the same kind of weather today. It's sunny, and then in two minutes, like a storm rolls over, and so you might get the same thing. And so if I shut up for like twenty minutes, it's because okay. I, I can't speak. <laughs> um, yeah, Brian. So what what have you been up to? Uh, what have I been up to? Uh, oh, I'm trying to think when we had our last sort of just the three of us catch up. So the dining table got delivered. That went in all right. Uh, Shipping those two coffee tables, the pinch bench with the shell leg in right. it, and the Yakita table, the one with the burnt top. And Were they the not then locally board. in Melbourne? Nah, they're going to Gold Coast. Okay, so you had to make a proper yeah. crate. Yep, yep. Um, I've actually got some really good couriers, TLC moving for any Melburnians looking for good furniture Um Great company. They're they're really good. They're really careful. They pack everything in blankets as well. So mm. they're the guys to go for. TLC. Um, had half considered driving it up to the Gold Coast myself, just charging the client and taking a bit of time out of the workshop because we yeah. have just been riddled with kids' illnesses for the past <laughs> like yeah. Right. I reckon it's nearly three months. Yeah. Um, are you? Do you find you sort of? You get something, you get better, and then you immediately come. You know, it's you. You have a week of health, and then you immediately come down with something. Do you know the funny thing is? I had been well all all the way through it, having had two kids and my wife, not my wife, coughing in my face, but having two kids coughing in my face. I had made it the whole way through, and then last week out of nowhere got gastro, <sighs> and it just knocked me out for two days. I just slept. Um, but no, I've actually been. I've been okay, but it was just the mental strain of, like, kids not sleeping. So I was like, right, let's get yeah, out of yeah. winter. Let's go up to the, somewhere warmer. And then I looked at the Gold Coast, and I'm like, it's not actually that much warmer. Like, we've actually had quite a nice spell of weather in Melbourne. It's pretty pleasant at the minute. So um, We were 13 degrees in Townsville, 12 or what? 13 degrees yesterday really? morning. It it was cold, huh? us. <laughs> Ice cold. Everyone talks about it. Ice cold. There's literally (laughs) ice on my window this morning, Robin. Um, But yeah, so we're we're just going to take a holiday instead and and, uh, go up to the Whitsundays for for five nights. Um, Lanny's never been and it's a bit more guaranteed of getting some warm weather. Get the kids Mm. out of the state and yeah, I'll just ship those two pieces up. So those went out. Um, I'm now starting on a bed that's going to Adelaide. All these bloody interstate orders. 
Um, <laughs> and then those those tables that I did for that table that I did for John Wardle for the exhibition with the clover legs, that is finally going to start, uh, and it's potentially three of them. So that's going to be, yeah, really, yeah. Are you doing it all yourself? Uh, at the minute, I'm just kind of shitting myself about it and going, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then I think about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got a workshop that, you know, they're going to kick me out of anytime soon. And I'm going to take on this massive order. Um, yeah. I'll, probably, I'll, pro- I'll probably take on a bit of help. Like I can do a lot of the components myself yeah. and sort of get them all milled. Mm. I can get the legs all laminated and sent up to Light Butter to do my... Um, to do my uh, CNCing. So, Jim, if you're listening, I haven't briefed you on this, but you might be getting a fair bit of work. <laughs> I know I know you're busy anyway. But, um, yeah, I can do a lot of the prep work myself. It's just when I get into the large assembly stuff, having to cut some of the joinery in the table frame is pretty tricky. And then, obviously, doing the clover penetrations in the top is very, very hard as a, as a one-man enterprise. But, yeah, plen- plenty on, which is good. Yeah. And I was actually thinking, like, now it's the sort of halfway point of the year. I don't know if you guys know, but at the end of every year, I do, like, my top five projects of the year and sort of go through mm, yeah. my five mm. new projects. And I'm like, I'm halfway through the year and I haven't made a bespoke piece yet. <laughs> like, yeah, right. This is kind of where I wanted my business to get to. But it's weird because... Yeah, because yeah, it's all star maps, it's, pinch it's, bench. It's all, and everything for the last six months, seven months has been pieces that I've made before. There's been variations and changing dimensions yeah. and things, but but yeah, nothing fully bespoke, which has been great. That's pretty cool. Joey, it, how about you? Are you... Am I busy? <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say, are you um, still doing your kitchens? Oh, so that kitchen, oh. I've got the really... I mean, I've been actually... I've been wanting to show pictures of this because there was just weeks and weeks and weeks of work... Um, and so far, it's still mostly sitting in my workshop because the builders are about a month behind. So we're having to deal with what I do with this gigantic set of cabinets. And I've got these finished panels gathering dust, which is terrible, but I can't do much about it at the moment. And um, so maybe I think in two weeks I can finally get furniture movers to come pick up all that stuff and get it the hell out of the workshop. And then I'll spend a week installing it and then hopefully i can get some pictures and show everyone what kind of eight weeks work looks like um something we've chatted about so many times Joey. did you charge the client for the storage uh that's a little bit tricky on this one um joey i i certainly told them about it And so you told them about it and they totally ignored you and went, no, see, yeah, well, you're going to keep those for another month. I'm just trying to work out what actually happened because I did have some space. And I was like, okay, right from the get-go, you're, if, if you're not ready, you've got to pay storage. And that's pretty yep. normal. Everyone knows that. Um, and in this case, it was like, okay, I can store some of it. And I was willing to accommodate because of the amount of cabinets. And I was like, you're going to have to take some of it. And they have taken some of it, but not really enough to make a difference. Um, and then it was like, oh, it's only going to be a week. So I was like, okay, we can do that. Oh, the painters got delayed. It's going to be another five days. Uh, something else happened. Something else happened. And so it's just this progression. And it's like, yeah. well, when, sh- when should I start charging? <laughs> At what point? Because it's just going to be mm. another week. And so then now we're down the road and I'm like, uh 
I should have just done it. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. So that's a pain in the ass. Anyway, so I have been made enough space. I'm making this pretty big uh, bookcase. I actually talked to you guys about this job in um, Melbourne. This um, the guy said he wanted like a Harry Potter esque. Oh case. yeah, yeah. And so I'm into that. There's a couple of pictures on Instagram of kind of halfway through. Just got to get the ladder made, and um, and oh, you're halfway through. It. You're halfway through making it. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was still the design phase, right? No, no, I'm pretty well. I'm actually well ahead. Um, because I was delayed with this kitchen, I was able just to kind of smash mm-hmm. out this this other work. And so I've got a. It's pretty much a, a, together, and I've got to take it all apart. And uh, we're using a tinted Osmo, like an amber tinted Osmo. So I've got to take it all apart, do that. So there's and and there's cold weather. It's going to take a while because there's a lot of parts. So what what did you say? What was the timber? Uh, it's a combination, but it's mostly European um, knotty grade oak. Yeah, which is really nice. I I'm going to use it more often, mainly because it's really cheap. But it actually has some feature. It's funny when you buy prime grade anything and it's completely featureless yeah at that point you might as well just start buying veneers veneer yeah um, yeah i quite often i quite often go to uh, urban salvage or any timber yards in melbourne and i'll buy the feature grade stuff and then i'll sort through the non-feature grade stuff and buy like one board yeah that's got a bit of a bit of grain in it or a bit of gum vein or something like that yeah i find the yeah, same like, thing i think if you go feature grade on everything it can just look like straight veneer yeah, I um I had to buy one good piece of straight grained prime oak to make the scotias because yeah. I had to hand plane it, and so Fun. um I needed some straight grain and it was almost dead straight. So I had only had a little bit of backwards grain to deal with, so that was nice. So I had to get the old molding planes out for that, which is fun on one piece. It's not fun on more than one piece. It have to be the same. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I'm at, and hopefully, just got another good job today. So the lady seemed very impressed. I spent like way too long on a design for this this client who's pretty local to me, and she's super super happy with the amount of drawings and details I went into. So I'm glad that I did what I did. So she's coming around to the workshop to look at samples. So that's a good sign. What kind of piece is it? It's a wardrobe and bedside tables and vanity. But it's got to fit the space of this new house, which is mm. uh, limited to say the least. And so there's some really um, interesting uses of space that I came up with, which she seems pretty impressed with. Um, putting some built-in um, wireless charging, LED lights and stuff to for the bedside. Oh, knocking off, knocking off that Robin Lewis fella. Yeah, off that's the internet. The one. Okay. Yeah, I messaged what? Robin the other yeah. day just to say, "Hey, where'd you get those things?" And I actually found that they make them mm. now with for for the exact purpose with the the under under the cabinet. Oh, um, right. They say they can go through some of them up to twenty five mil. Twenty um, five mil. Wow. That's what they say on on some of them, Whoa. but the one I'm looking at. Says up to fifteen mil, and so I'm going to rebate them right up to within probably five mil of the yeah. top of the of the piece. Mm. 
because uh, I'm a little bit worried because a lot of people say that they generate a bit of heat in the phone, which is how it works. But I'm just like, I wonder how that, it's not going to cause a fire, but it would heat up generally, I think, the, the area of the, the panel. So I don't know. I never had any issues with that. Yeah. yeah I mean, cool. yes, they do generate heat, but not nothing that made me concerned. Yeah. And it's, it certainly wasn't anything that um, affected the timber. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I did one uh, for like a sofa armresty thing. I did a charging thing that I made for Lanny in 2020 when I had nothing else to do uh, from an old scrap piece of Rimu. And it was uh, three and a half or four mil or something like that. Four mil, right. I think, on the charging point. And yet no issues at all with yeah. the heat. or It still looks looks the same today. My only, because I never use those wireless chargers. And so, how long does it take when you put your phone down for your phone to register that you're charging? Instantly. Because my concern is that if, unless you mark a spot on the table, you're going to be waving it around trying to find the spot. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. you'd get used to it eventually. But, and it's kind of like, well, is there any point? Or should I put a little sticker or something on there and then they get used to the, that's where the charger is? Or you just wave it around until you see that it's in the I right put spot? It, I, wrote it, I wrote it out like a little rebate tray. Sort of looks like a coin exactly tray. Exactly what I did. And you just uh, stick yeah. it in that. But yeah, yeah you, just put a, can't do that, you just put a dot on the center of it. Yeah. Like just do a little inlay of, of something. Or, I don't know. That's a good idea, yeah. Because, yeah, that is... And I know the technology is improving. So, again, mm. Joey, this might be something that... that you won't struggle with as much as say Brian and I did. Yeah, they that that range is getting larger and larger. Yeah, and I can't remember. There's a particular technology they use where they could make it, you know, the size of a dinner plate. Yeah, um, yeah. So look into that because you may be able to get something that's bigger. Because that that's exactly what happened with mine, and it's exactly why I routed a a phone size groove out of the table. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm after like it to just be a the bedside needs to just look like a. A flat tabletop. You don't want an indentation or anything, just because I think it's going to detract from the design. It's kind of pointless. Then um, you might as well just have a surface-mounted one, because you can get quite nice desk-mounted chargers that are rebated and just have a like a, a ninety mil circular platform that just fits perfectly flush on the on the tabletop, and it would look just as good as anything else. But I just want it to be timber, so. Yes, sir. And what about you? What about you, Robin? You've been you've been busy making boxes. Boxes, yeah. Um, so this is the the second product for that online store that I was talking about. So this yeah. is a tea box, very simple design. Um, the the only thing that that was fairly, uh, I guess, unusual with it would be that the sides are just butt joints, which you know. If you talk to 99% of the people on the YouTube uh, woodworkers, they're going to tell you that won't work. <laughs> and I, and yeah. the video that I'm filming for it, I actually go into it and I, I show a demonstration where I make a test piece and then I break the test piece. So it's a butt join. There's two dowels in it as well just to, just to stop that cupping. Make a test piece. I break a test piece and then you can see the long grain fibers actually stuck yeah. on the end grain. Yeah. So, you know, for an application like that, maybe it doesn't look the best. That You know, that's subjective. Yeah. But it absolutely does work. Um, 
for something as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's not uh, like it's under stress. Pretty... It's not like it's a staircase. It's just a little yeah, trick. Yeah, it's not structural. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it doesn't matter. So, yeah, so it's six of these boxes uh, using the celery top pine, a little bit of Tasmanian myrtle. And I wanted to ask you guys about the – so the lid that I've, that I've made is a – there's a, a notch around the inside of the lid so that it slots into the, into the, the box. I left the lid on, unfinished, came back two days later, and it had cupped. Of course it had because, you know, the, it's exposed to the air outside, not inside the, the box. I really want to keep the inside of the box unfinished so that it absorbs the smells of your the tea that goes into it. Would mm-hmm. it make sense to finish the lid and the outside of the box only? Or am I running into concern an issue potentially because that whole box is just going to want to explode because of the, or is it not really an issue because the inside of the box is generally closed anyway. So it's not experiencing the same environment as outside. Hard to say is the answer. Like you're in a pretty humid environment. Mm. Um, like generally, obviously you want to put finish on both sides of things. Mm. I don't know what do what do they do with humidors, like for cigars and things. What yeah, finish would you? I think they're all unfinished, aren't they? Uh, well, I was just going to say, think it's just tip- raw timber. Yeah, typically like a traditional drawer, you don't finish any of it apart from the face, and even you don't finish the inside of the drawer face. Mm. Um, but that is not closed, but it's almost. When it's in a close enough, yeah, draw chest. But that's ex- yeah, but that's expanding equally on both sides of the wood. Whereas you obviously want to finish yes. the outside of these boxes because they're going to get knocked around in a kitchen or in a cabinet or something. Correct. Yeah. So Tricky I one. did a I did a tea box up at this woodworking studio up the road from me, and this guy's a gun woodworker. And all we did was take a bit of of um, oh man, shellac. We did a tiny bit of shellac on the outside of the box, nothing on the inside, and he said that'll be fine. Mm. The difference is, though, that these were mitered corners with dovetail splines going through the corners. So, you know, there's a, a maybe a bit more strength in it. But he said, that's fine. I that, don't think- that's shellac on the outside is just to pretty it up. And the, the difference between the two, because the inside of the box is sealed. So it's like having, it's like having yeah. a coat of finish on the inside because it's got a lid on it. The air is not... Um, changing or the the, temp, the environment isn't changing rapidly. I don't think you've got a problem at all with the box. The box is not going to move once it's glued together. I can't see that being a problem. The thickness no. of the walls might change ever so slightly depending on relative humidity. The problem I think you find is because you see the lid has capped or warped, right? Yeah, so the lid I would. And so that I was is, assuming I was going to do the whole thing. The whole right, right, okay. Yeah. Well, because I don't. Otherwise, I don't think there's a problem. I, I, you, I don't think um, having yeah. the outside of a box, uh, the inside of, of a box which is glued together and relatively small. I can't see how the box is going to twist. Is that yeah. what you're worried about? I mean. Yeah, yeah, or just that that you know that um, again because of the the way it's joined. I'm just concerned that, you know, two dowels isn't going to be enough to hold and it's just going to start, you know, 
slight, maybe a gap or a crack or something. Or well, maybe. It's, a, it's, you might you're such small dimensions. Yeah. Like, I yeah, would... shouldn't, yeah. Like, you're talking yeah. about, like, microns of a millimeter, like... Yeah. Okay, I, I, cool. I, I was, I was going to go that right. I just wondered if you guys were going to throw down some... Some some knowledge on me. I, I thought that I saw you that your the top the lid was like multiple laminations, right? Is that, yeah, you yeah, know, like yeah. ten pieces or something. Yeah, and that yeah, seemed like a good idea to, to me. It. And I'm actually surprised that that warped enough that it could be a problem. I would have thought that would it's be way more stable than a, a one piece plank. It's the thickness. Uh, oh, and you know, I told you about this really cold day that we had. I'm. I made that top and the next morning we had the most horrifically dry, unseasonably cold day right. that I think I might have ever experienced in Townsville. Did you nearly have so, to put a long sleeve t-shirt on, yeah? I slept with long johns on. I don't, I don't even remember the last time I did that. Uh, so anyway, so that outer surface went from tropical to yeah. arid overnight. So of course it's going to you know, do a dance. But yeah, okay, yeah, so that's cool. I'll, I'll, I'll just go there, right? As I say, I've done it before with another box and it was all fine, so I'm, sh- I'm sure it'll be okay. Any, any thoughts on a finish that is... I was thinking of using... Um, quick. Something quick. <laughs> quick. Something quick. I was going to use um, a water-based poly, but I just feel like, I don't know, that just feels... A disc oil. It's just gross around food stuff. Just a, f- a food safe oil. Just like a yeah, fairly Osmo generic cutting cutting board oil or something like that's gonna be cheaper than using Osmo though, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it depends. How Less you buy faffing it. about with roller, like you know, going through rollers and things. It's just oil in a rag, like just smash it on, let it soak up as much as you can. Yeah, and then um, even even considering it's a white wood, would you guys still go that route? It's uh, I, I don't know because then it just turns really yellow. Probably if, probably a few test samples. Yeah. yeah, Osmo mm. will discolor it less. Like if you go hard wax oil, it'll keep it true to its uh, unfinished. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, um, but it'll, do, it will I'd, cost I'd more. I'd use Osmo any day of the week just because that's what I have would have on hand. Tricky but um, mm. I know that on a small surface like that, in a small box part, so you could get such an, a really good finish really quickly just by buffing it on with a rag. Do that mm. twice, and you've got a perfect finish, and um, wrap yeah. it up, and she's gone. Poly, a water-based poly, you could do it, but you're going to end up having all these dripping problems because you've got those four sides of a box that you're trying to finish at the same time, and you're going to get all these runs because it's so liquid. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it would be a nightmare trying to do more than one of them <coughs> and chase all the runs everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll yeah. Might I'll, be I'll might be easy enough to do on a hot. Time. Might be easy enough yeah. to do on a hot day though. Like, yeah. Mm. If it's if it's warm up there, just do one side of poly. It'll kind of flash off yeah. in a few minutes. Then turn the next sides on all the boxes. But I don't know. I would just go. I would just oil it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those are both basically done. There's just a little bit of finish sanding left to go. The video is mostly ready as well. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying. To, I've had a lot a lot of comments on the previous video where people are saying. Honestly, didn't care much about the project, but really interested on the costs and the business mm. side of it and, and how that's all going. Right. So I'm going to try and lean into that a little bit more in this video. Again, break down the costs. People seem to really appreciate that 
that I itemize exactly what the cost is. Full transparency, these are the costs of my products. When they go out, everyone's going to know what profit I'm making on it. But that's the, people want to see that. People that's are always fascinated by numbers. Like you look at, who is it, Blacktail or Blacktail Studio yeah. or whatever, that American guy, and he's like, I turned this $45,000 table <laughs> yes. from a $500 yeah. slab. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's admitted that he gets better view counts when he, oh. when, he t- when he puts the price into his videos, even though there's people in the comments saying, why are you showing off about the price? Why are you... Because people hate watch price? it. People hate watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's the way the human think, brain is programmed to be obsessed about what things cost. The algorithm these days, um, Four Eyes Furniture is doing a similar thing. The last few videos yeah. has all been about, you know, um, clickbaity stuff. And he admits it just to see what happens with YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm making a, in the process of making a video now, one of these where I'm talking about the, the, the dowels that I'm putting in and just some basic tips about how I make sure that it looks good. It's a simple topic, but there are going to be some people out there who might not know these things. And I'm going in with the seven tips to improve your joint, your, your <laughs> exposed dowels. And I'm, I'm even doing working on the thumbnail with the face and the looking and the pointing. <laughs> and, oh. and, you know, I feel so dirty inside. But if you want to play the game, I, I feel like it's worth it's worth at least having a go yeah. because the second I see Robin Lewis exposes 15 viral internet woodworking tips, I'm on following man. I'm done. <laughs> well, so I'm checking out. But you know yeah. that that is the intern, that is the internal fear yeah. for, I'm just sure, I say for myself, but it, it, it is, I've spoken to people about this in the past where they've said they don't want to do that because they feel like a, a sellout because <laughs> they're just, they're playing the algorithm game. But, if you're on the platform, yeah, you've got yep. to play by the rules. That was, that was so funny yeah. talking about this. I was thinking about the other day. I was like, if I do another video, which I would like to at some point, I already know what I'm going to call it. I'm not sure what the thumbnail will be, but it would just be called clickbait title. That's what I'm calling the video. <laughs> like, and then you, you make up, make up the rest for yourself. Like, <laughs> so that's what I've I've been doing to. a lot of. I've been doing a lot of re- reading up on how the, the the top YouTubers do it. And I think Matt was talking about this as well, Matt Esley, about how the, th- the these guys don't make videos based on the content. They make videos, the starting point is the thumbnail. Mm. So what's a good thumbnail that I can build a video around? <laughs> wow, yeah. And... Was it, was it Matt? Oh, we, I think That's it an interesting come up on perspective. On the, That's an interesting perspective. And interesting kind of um, mental gymnastics, just from a creative point of view, to put yourself in the hole and say, here's a picture and a title. What can we do with it? Just, just as an, yeah. an exercise. I don't know that I agree with it, but it's an interesting idea. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's it's. That's what I'm working on. I've also, from this video, I've got to do another video for, so what I've, I've still got this obligation to Timbercon for the, the tools that I got from them. So what I'm doing is I'm building these tea boxes and f- just filming the shit out of it. And then some of that footage I'll take for my video and then the rest of the footage I can take for the Timbercon video. Uh. And just try and 
yeah, double up on it because otherwise I'm never going to get anything done. I'm never, I feel like I'm not making headway. So right. yeah, so there's three videos in the works at the moment and um, on the side I'm doing some woodworking. <laughs> you seem to be in the workshop way more than ever, so good on you. Yeah, yeah. you're back in there loads. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. When are you, when are you hoping and to get the website live by, Robin? What's, what's your date? So, <clears throat> um, at this stage, I'm tentatively first or second week of August. Yeah. So it's probably closer to second because I've still got to do all the packaging for the, the boxes. And um, packaging is packaging is a whole different, another world. <laughs> yep. I, I appreciate, like, Brian, what you were talking about with these, these pieces that you've sent out. They are you've you've seen them before, but they're still they're still large enough that it's a I guess it would be a different space for or a different process for you. But I've I've seen pictures of other woodworkers who like Matt talking about Matt Italy with his knives, mm. where he's got like a production run of all the knives and all the boxes, and that's what I was doing with those cookbook stands. That's what I'm going to have to do with these boxes again, and it's just that that's a day. It's your day is gone just folding up pieces of cardboard, putting the box together, putting the, this in. It, it takes up so much time. Mm. Yep. I think the only way to really make it effective for small product is to go a CNC and just using a knife mm. cutter or, uh, on foam yeah. and doing yeah. boxes. The way I like butter do their boxes on a CNC, the yep. big knife cutter. Okay. But yeah, it becomes, it becomes expensive. But mm. I think that's the only way you can get your costs of packaging down to really make money out of small products yeah yeah because these boxes are 350 a box and then you've got to put the packaging the cardboard in to protect the the, you know so and that's why i said in my in for those cookbook stands that i did it's around 25 dollars just for packaging and yeah. postage, I should say. Wow. $25. Just, yeah, so when it's a small item, that's got to be a pretty awesome small item to warrant that <laughs> kind of cost. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I was talking to my nephew. Uh, he's about 12, 13. It must be 13, first year of high school. Um, and he was talking about his woodwork class and he was explaining that they had big plans, or he had some big plans to make this thing, whatever it was. Um, but that over the first term of school, he hadn't done any work on it because he had to wait for the teacher to use the machines. And because there's 30 kids in the class and everyone needs the teacher to cut whatever it is they cut, they don't actually get to do anything. So they, they're not even allowed to use the, to cut on the machine? They're not allowed to use a table saw. So if you are, if you need to make a rip on a piece of timber, you've got to wait for the teacher to to rip it, or you know, oh, if wow. there's no other way to do it. Because yes, you could do anything with hand tools, but these kids don't have the skills, which is really like remember what I just said, and we'll come back to that. But um, so essentially, like I I remember, and this would be interesting because I we always ask the client uh, our guests about this, and I. I don't know that if we have talked about this personally, it's a long time ago, but what was our experience in high school? Kind of briefly, did you feel that you got any 
benefit out of it because I had the very similar experience to my nephew where I wanted to build this thing, but actually, you know, 30 minutes of the class was me waiting so I could be supervised or have someone else use the machine for me so I could do this one thing and then I could get on with my job, but I couldn't actually do it and it becomes frustrating. And not only that, you're often forced in school to do some rude, just awful beginner's project which you've got no make a make um, a bird box yeah just some yeah. You're, you're making some like or i remember i had to do a puzzle this three-piece puzzle and you follow the plan and cut all the things and it's like i'm not invested in this at all i don't want to make this mm. puzzle can we make something i want to make or not until you're 16 you've got to do two years of woodworking before and it's like it just it's just putting people off mm. like what so after talking to my nephew, I was talking to my wife about it, and I was like, I've got the space. I'm just going to offer classes just to anyone, classes to kids, adults, anytime during the work week, after school, weekends if you have to, um, and you can just come and make anything you like. And so we worked through the ins and outs of that a little bit. But essentially, we had started advertising in my local area for classes and I've got people lined up this week. Things are happening. Oh, cool. Um, and so I've got a handful of people coming this week to work out what we're going to make and sort out times and dates and start classes. And then I, yeah. and I was kind of lying in bed thinking, Oh shit, what am I, do I, what do I teach? Because mm. I already said, I want to make what kid, what the kids or the student wants to make, which I think is the best approach because they have to be invested in it to stay with it, right? Yep. And I also want to be clear that I'm not doing this as a make-money scheme. <laughs> this is this is more of a community service because I'm not charging almost anything for it. Um, and so, so it's all very well for a kid to come in and say, I want to make whatever it is, but let's say uh, a bedside table, four legs and a top, and a couple of aprons. Should we do it with hand planes and marking gauges and cutting mortises with a chisel? Which mm. is, and you think about it this way, that's the traditional way to do it, but they are paying some money to be there. And should they be paying that money to, to sit there for 45 minutes to cut an awfully shaped mortise that just loses a mm. goose when it comes, and then they're disappointed with the end result because it doesn't actually fit in because these are beginners? Or do you say, hey, I've got a panto router. We can make a, a mortise and tenon with like <laughs> 0.1 of a mil tolerance. And I've got the best table saw you'll probably ever use in your life. <laughs> and you don't even need get on glue. It. We'll just put it together and like hammer it together and it's done. Like, you know, like. Yeah. And so do you teach someone who's beginning and has an interest the traditional slower, slower ramp up in skills? Or do you just jump them in and say, hey, this is a domino and we can join these two bits of wood in really bloody quick and we can carry on doing yeah. what we want to do? My grandfather would be turning in his grave right now, but I'm, I'm team domino. Mm. I reckon you, ha- you, have to, you have to grab their interest. And for me, it's always been like the same in my shop, the way I don't have a fancy workbench. I don't have my tools beautifully laid out in a cabinet. I'm more engaged by the things that I'm making, like pieces of furniture than necessarily the process and the way in which they've been made. And yes, I do 
I do hand-cut tenons sometimes, I've, you know. But I, where a domino is the right tool for the job, I will use it. And I think with beginner woodworkers, it allows them... like. So the the Victorian Woodworkers Association, where I, I'm just actually doing a few more um, teaching sessions in there at the minute, I would say about 80% of the students are more than happy to use a domino. Yeah. You'll find 20% that will, you know, read, would review or find woodworking magazine or something like that. And they've got their plans printed out from there and they want to do it exactly how it's set. But most of them are just happy about the idea of making a project and seeing progress mm. on it. And the fact that you can go domino, boom, 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 get a frame all sort of dry fit joined within half an hour instead of two days of teaching. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's what I would teach. And then I think once they then get into a more intermediate level and they start asking questions, mm. then I think you go back and say, right, I do a yeah, hand tools class as well. Yeah, that's what I would say. Mm. But yeah, going back to the, going back to the school thing so i didn't do woodworking at school but i did design technology mm. um and this was obviously uh, we've established that i'm the oldest out of the three of us right i believe yeah 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 so this is uh, obviously two, i think yeah oh h rules have probably changed in schools since since i went um i remember in primary school being handed mercury in science class just to play with it in our hands so did i um <laughs> yeah but in design technology we were I think the only thing we weren't allowed to use was the table saw. Yeah. So we used band saws. We yep. used TIG and MIG welding, grinding, mm-hmm. like from the age of, I think it was 14. So getting ready for our GCSE projects as 16-year-olds, and you could make whatever you wanted. So I made, a, I made an automated driving range. So like <laughs> a driving range bay for golf. Funny, I should have said this to April. Yeah. But it's literally just come back into my, my mind since since you were talking about school. And it was, yeah, you loaded up a bay wall with balls and then it had an arm that would sort of tilt and the ball rolled down the inside of it. It all had sensors and it was all, um, yeah, we had to create the circuit board and everything was That's timed. Crazy. And yeah, yeah. So you were allowed to do whatever you wanted. And that class is one of the things that I would say really... Um, made me want to make things in life because there were no restrictions on what you could make. Whereas if somebody was telling me I had to do it this way using hand tools, as opposed to, I'll just knock up a board with MDF and, you know, stick some dials in and it'll be fine. If somebody was telling me I had to make something nice and make it the proper way, I think it would have put me off. Mm. And this, uh, this idea that hand tools are woodwork We've yeah. moved on from that. Yeah, you I just—I so. mean, you just—you just said it now, Brian. Earlier, you said get them in to build what they want, and then if they want to learn about hand tool, which, which is which perfectly details the point. Mm. Hand tools are a niche, a niche subject. It's something that you you can take up. So for them, what do you want to do? Do you want to build something, or do you want to learn about a mortise and tenon? They're probably not going to choose the mortise and tenon because it's not as flash as actually building anything. But then, yeah, then there's your answer. Yeah, it's really interesting too because cutting a mortise and tenon by hand is boring as shit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. it takes hundreds of times before you really start getting it right. And I don't even think I could do a, a really good one now if I had to. Um, but if you go and jump on the Panto router and spend 10 minutes just explaining how it works and the system, and it's so such a fun 
tool to use, especially when you have the guard off like I do and you can see what's happening. Um, it's like, holy shit, this is so fun. And we just made this perfectly like oval tenon in like three minutes. And, yeah. you know, we can have our whatever it is put together and dry fit and it stands up by itself without clamps because it's so tight. And you appreciate that a nice tight fitting mortise and tenon is kind of critical to what we're doing. And then, like you say, oh, well, how did they theory. used to do it when they didn't have when they didn't have pantorattis? Yeah, well, that's where, what that's what a craftsman is really. But uh, sign up to my six month hand tools yeah, yeah. course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, um, so nah, I reckon it's just it's got to be fun. It has yeah. to be fun, especially mm, with kids. Yeah, and that's not cringe had... fun though. Don't don't try and make it. You know, let's uh, let's build a Fortnite character or something like uh, that. Yeah. You don't need to do that. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, I had parents emailing me straight away saying, "What's what are you going to be making? What's the course?" And I'm like, "Well, you choose." And I, I and I started mm. saying, "Well, I suppose I have to make a list of things that I can make." If you've got younger kids, they want to have something. If they're only going to come for one lesson to try it out, they're going yeah. to want to leave with something. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so if you're just going to come try it out, you know, we might do a breadboard or bookends or a sword yeah. or, or you a know, T-box. something something that something that doesn't require gluing. Yeah, well, even I just went and stocked up on super glue and activator because I was uh, like, okay. I'm, we're going to have to glue shit together immediately. So super glue yeah. and PVA is going to be the way it goes. Um, and because you don't get the chance, like at school, if you said, I want to make a, a replica ex- Excalibur, they're going to go, no, you're not allowed a weapon. That's, that's against whatever rule that there is. I want to build a gun. <laughs> yeah, a building a gun with and using like an old door bolt for the for the bolt and it goes yeah. click, click. That's awesome fun. Like, why not? But so that's what I want it to be. Just like come and experience having a workshop and, and make whatever you want. Mm. Some, something I wanted to add to it. So the this studio up the road where I learned to make my tea box was essentially what you were, what you are proposing. Uh, we did do glue and it was just part of the, the, I think we glued up the sides and then we carved the top, right? the, top, the lid. So the carving was going on, but all the material was prepped right. talking to them. They, the, and they've got experience doing classes. You have to take something away. Mm. You can, unless you sign up for a six month course, yeah. don't even bother trying to teach a principal and then they leave with nothing. Yeah. You're going to lose it, lose. But something I did want to want to add from that experience, and this is something that you may not have considered when you said, what am I going to teach? Mm. When I went there to do, to learn how to make a tea box, which I knew how to do, I had a discussion with this, 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 it's called a master builder, master woodworker. And during the discussion, it came up that the wood glue that I've been using never dries hard. Mm-hmm. So it's, this is that white, it's a, a white wood glue. And I had scoured the internet for this answer. Everyone else seems to be able to sand the glue nice and <laughs> flush. Why, what am I doing wrong? And I could never find the answer until I just happened to be in a class with this guy that came up. And he said, oh, that's because you're using white glue. You should be using the yellow glue, which has got resin. <laughs> that class, which cost, I think, $150, was worth its weight in gold for me because right. I learned that at the class. 
So you might be teaching these guys something completely away from the project that yeah. you don't even realize. And that's, that's going to be your job is your experience. That's what, so, yeah, I agree with keep, you 100%. Keep that in mind. That's what you're imparting. Because that's what uh, one lady was asking, like, what are you going to, what's my son going to learn or something like that? And I was like, well, God, I don't really want to go down Everything that road. Everything I know. I don't have a curriculum, but I will say that making anything, even the most basic project, you're going to encounter fundamentals of woodworking, no matter what it is. So even if it's just how to hold a chisel, how to hold a plane, which direction the sandpaper is spinning so you don't cut your fingers off, they're fundamentals and building blocks of the larger, the larger you know, um, subject. And so whatever it is that we're making, it doesn't, who cares what it mm. is. It might be firewood in the end of the day, but you're going to come away with I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't lead with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I do, with my son, we would go through and pick out bits of firewood and dry them, and then we'd make something out of a bit of firewood. And I, the idea was that I'd say, look, you can make something really cool out of something pretty shit. Just got to give it some time mm. and a bit of thought. But, of course, my wife pointed out you probably don't want to be selling the idea of giving kids firewood because it sounds really cheap. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I won't do the firewood challenge with newbies. But, um, yeah. No, that's a cool idea, though. Like, it definitely, if, you, if it's aimed at kids, it's teaching them to be practical. It's Brian. teaching them, like, that these things aren't completely beyond their reach. Oh, we got a good lag. Oh, I just lost you there, but bro, I think you're those tradies are stealing your Wi-Fi now as it's well. Still, is broadband width. Yeah. Oh, there we go. You're back. Oh, I'm back. Um, yeah. Yeah. So repeat I, the last. I was saying you're te- you're teaching kids how to be practical, and mm. that's such an important thing, like how to fix things in life rather than just chuck them away and like. It could be the yeah. simplest thing, and you might not yeah. have taught them that directly, but you've taught them that these things are achievable. They might come from a family where there are n- no applicable skills in that area, but just by yep. making a breadboard or making making a bedside table or something like that, they will learn so many life skills in it. Patience. Patience. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Yes. No, I think it's cool, Joe. <laughs> so when are you, when are you, when are you starting? Uh, my first class is tomorrow. I've got, I've got a guy. Oof. Tomorrow the, the first class is happening um, and I've got a boy coming this afternoon after this recording to have a talk about he wants to do an ongoing weekly session and have like major projects on the works. So that's, yeah, that's cool. an interesting one. Yeah. Yep. And so things are happening. Awesome. We've got uh, an older lady wants to learn how to make tea boxes. Um, so, yeah. There's, the, there's this guy on the internet she should definitely follow. Who's that? Oh, <laughs> our very own. Um, but Robin, you you didn't have any woodworking at school. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say the, the what you were talking about there, Brian, with you know people who don't have this as part of their world. My dad had a workshop, and at some point he was a woodworker. But I never grew up in an, mm-hmm. any trade environment, nothing. Um, so. Yeah, to be able to learn those practical things, I can, I can, I can understand or side with the person who's grown up like me. That mm. is massive. It is, it is, it is mind-bending 
um, how yeah. much of a difference that will make or an impact that it will make. All right. Well, well, let us let us know, Joey. Let us know how this this goes. Obviously, it's gonna it'll potentially be a month until we talk again. But uh, yeah, post something on Instagram. Yeah, I will actually. Yes. Cool. All right, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll talk again in a couple of weeks.